Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us, or to become a part of our community, or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Oh man, Pastor Charlie with the fastball, man. I love, uh, I love Matthew, it's a good name. I love, especially when it's spelled correctly, right? Praise God. Um, but yeah, that was awesome. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Can you guys give it up for Grant on the keys, holding it down? Come on. Keeping the anointing flowing. I love it. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a morning in church. Is anybody grateful to be found in the house of God this morning? Are you grateful that, man, he didn't just leave us dead in our sin, but he sent his son to die on a cross so we could be made alive in Christ? Who is grateful to be alive in Christ this morning? That was not a God save me from eternal damnation and hell kind of praise. Can we make some noise for the risen King of Kings and Lord of Lords this morning? Praise Him. Man, uh, it's been a wild week. It's been a, it's been a wild weekend, not going to lie. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And one of my favorite things is that my beautiful bride, my partner in pastoring, my amazing better half, Pastor Adrian turned 35 years old. Come on. And I think it's only right that much like she always prays over somebody who's having a birthday, that we do the same. So would you just extend a hand towards Pastor Adrian? Would you join me in praying over her? Um, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for 35 years of life. We thank you, God, that for the vast majority of that, she has been fully submitted to you, just giving herself over to everything that you've made her to do, Father God. Father, I just thank you for the prophetic words spoken over her, God, that she would be a pastor, that she would lead this generation to Christ, that when she was 16 years old, she had a moment with some amazing pastors in Russia that she didn't even remember until recently, God, but I just thank you that you've made good on that prophetic word. And so, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for 35 years. I thank you for her heart, her generosity, the fact that she outloves, outserves, and outgives anybody I know. And so, Father, I just ask that right now, this year, 35, would honest to God be the best one yet, where she would flow in more anointing than she's ever had, that she would be closer to your heart than she's ever been, that she would sound more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, be more like Jesus, comfort more like Jesus, love more like Jesus, just be more like Jesus at 35. And God, may we all just be better for it. Thank you for how you use her. Thank you for bringing her to us. And thank you for everything you're doing through her. We thank you for her life. In Jesus' mighty name, everyone said. Amen. Amen. I love you. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, we are continuing our series, The Jesus People. Do I got any Jesus people in the house this morning? Fantastic. Who has loved this series so far? Show of hands. Who has been challenged by this series? Show of hands. Who's been offended by this series? Show of hands. My hands up. I've been offended every week. The Lord has just spoken something that I'm like, oh my gosh, that was me. That was for me. But man, I am so grateful for God offending me. Like, that's the kind of church I want to be. Sorry, we're not here for the play play. If you want that, please go to one of our other amazing brothers and sisters somewhere else because I'm, I'm not interested 
in immature Christianity. I'm interested in mature Christianity. I'm interested in growing in stature with the Lord and favor with men. Amen. And I got to tell you, mature Christianity recognizes when the Lord rebukes you, it's an opportunity for growth. Amen. Like so many of us, when the Lord rebukes us, we just take it like, oh my God, he disapproves of me. And it's like, no, no, no. The rebuke of the Lord isn't a disapproval of you. It's a disapproval of your actions. It's a disapproval of your mindset. No, no, no. When the Lord rebukes you, it's a disappointment, which is what? A disapproval of your actions, but an appointment for change. Amen? So, hey, when the Lord rebukes you, let's praise him. Like, is there a son and a daughter in here that is so grateful that God loves them so much to let them know when you're missing it? Because I am. That's the kind of man I want to be. That's the kind of pastor I want to be. Kind of husband I want to be. Kind of son of God I want to be. I want to get to the point of place where I can come in here and I can worship God on my knees and go, thank you for rebuking me this week. Thank you for caring enough, pausing you running the universe and letting me know, hey, Matt, you could be doing this better. You could be walking in more freedom and here's how to do it, son. I want to be able to praise him in the midst of correction. Anybody else? Come on. I got anybody else ready for mature Christianity? Come on, I want it. Well, this morning, we're going back into deep, deep waters, um, and I pray that this offends you um, and that it challenges you, and I say that so that you would be more offended by the Word of God and less offended by the world, that the Word of God would be the truest thing to you, that it would be the most contrarian thing to everything that you are, that you can't help but surrender yourself fully over to what God says is best for your life, best for this world, best for those around you. And you wouldn't be so offended by what you see on CNN or Fox News or Twitter. Amen? Let the word of God do the offending. Let it do the rebuking. Let it do the reproving and the building and the comforting. And leave the world to, to the mission field. Amen? Come on. Well, this morning, if you're taking notes where my note takers at, on or around your seat in front of you, there's a prayer journal. Feel free to grab one of those bad Jacksons. Those are free. Those are from our amazing partners at Our Daily Bread. Who loves Our Daily Bread? ODB, follow them on the Instagram or Reclaim Today or one of their other amazing sites and uh, you'll have daily, you know, devotionals and things to build you up. It's good. Um, but yeah, take notes because I honestly believe, man, if, if I'm up here and I'm, <laughs> let you know, if you're new with us today, I'm a preacher. It is what it is. If that's not your speed, it is what it is. Take notes, you'll remember what I said. It's okay. We're going to go fast and we're going to go hard and we're going to get the glory today. Sound good? Amen. All right. Title of my message is, Ready? But if all prophesy, but if all prophesy. It's wild because you may not know this, but we have this thing that we happen with our team before service called Team Rally. And prophecy has already been a big part of today, whether you are aware of it to not or not. So the Holy Spirit has definitely appointed this moment for you. You are here not on accident or by choice or because you thought our Instagram was cool. You are here because the Lord was drawing you in and he has a word for you today. Are you ready for the word today? Awesome. Well, hey, before we get started, we are going to hit the Jesus people prayer. If you don't know what this is here at Takeover Church, we love, man, I love creeds. I love church history. I love everything that we're a part of. And honestly, God, if you've ever been to an old school Baptist church or an old school Methodist church and you grab the wrong hymnal, you know how weird it is to be singing the same song in a different key at the wrong timing. And so the reason we hit the Jesus people prayer is to make sure we're reading out the same hymnal to make sure our hearts are aligned, to make sure we're on the same page, to make sure that we're coming into the message today on the same accord, singing the same song to the same God. Amen? 
So I'm going to say it. You can repeat it after me. We're going to bring it with some conviction today, and we're going to ask the Lord to meet us. Sound good? All right, here we go. Father God, build your church that the gates of hell would not prevail against her. Give us your heart. Give us your words. Give us your power. Create in us a zeal. A zeal. Say it with some zeal. A zeal for your house and a longing for your presence. Fill. 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 Purify. 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 And mark us. Make us. Like Jesus. Like who? Like Matt? Like Jesus. Come on. Set us apart. Make us a holy nation. Make your presence known here. Put your hand on your chest. Known here. Known here. Put your hand on your neighbor. Known here. Come on. Establish signs and wonders among your people. Pour out your spirit upon us. All right, get your best Wakanda chant. We will be. We will be. We will be. Your people. You will be. You will be. You will be. Our God. We declare your kingdom come. Your will be done in our city as it is in heaven. Let revival come. Jesus mighty name y'all said come on come on I think we're reading out the same hymnal this morning I think we're playing the same song the title of my message is but if all prophesy but if all prophesy we are coming out of first Corinthians if you got your Bibles first Corinthians 14 1 through 25 I'll speed through I know that's a big chunk of meat but we are going to have some fun with it this morning uh, but if you don't have a B-I-B-L-E the book for me it'll be up on the sky Bible so give it up for uh, Kelsey and Ev- uh, Pastor Evan holding it down in the booth come on Actually, Kelsey found a way to have miraculous powers and uh, be elsewhere besides the booth to run the Sky Bible. It's pretty incredible. Um, technicology. All right, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 25. Technicology. That's not how you pronounce that? Hey, I'm a preacher, not a teacher, okay? I'm a preacher, not a reader, okay? I don't do, I don't do American literature. Okay, anyways, I don't need no little tool. Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 25. You're getting me off, all right? And and people will be upset. All right. Pursue love earnestly and desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Shoot. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. I do, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone is there to interpret so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers. Somebody say, now, brothers. Just making sure you're awake out there. If I come to you by speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? 
even, even, even lifeless instruments. I love this. Paul goes in on these silliest instruments. Even if lifeless instruments, such as a flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And even if the bugle, 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 I don't even know how to say it. It's bugle. I'm pretty sure it's bugle, but man, even if the bugle, God, Paul is just dunking on the bugle, gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? <laughs> There's a word for somebody. Don't be a bugle. How will you get ready for battle? Come on. So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, is anybody eager for manifestations of the Spirit? This church sure as heck is. Since you are so eager for manifestations, manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praises with my spirit and not kick things over, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider Say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I love Paul. Come on. Nevertheless, in a church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, yes, but in your thinking, be mature. That's a word. In the law, it is written, by people of strange tongues and by lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore... The whole church comes together. Come on, we're ending it right here. But if the whole church comes together, all speak in tongues, and outsiders, unbeliever enters, they will not say that you were, will they not say that you were out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. We're going to dig into some meat this morning. Who's ready for some ribeye? So let me pray, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to come. Sound good? Amazing. Father God, I thank you right now for the opportunity to gather, to gather here with my brothers and sisters. God, we are so grateful for how the week has gone, how the rain has come, God, for the prayer and worship that's been taking place in this house this week. Father God, the fact that you were just here, God, and you were alive and you were active and you were sharper than any double-edged sword and you were just moving amongst your people. And so right now, Father God, I just declare, come, come Holy Spirit, move in this place. There is one reason and one reason alone that we are here, God. It is not for a TED Talk. 
It is not for a talking head. It is not for a political position. It is not to keep the lights on, keep the tithes coming in. It is not for any other person, place, or position other than you, your home, and to sit at your feet, Lord Jesus. So right now, God, we just say, come. Father, it's the cry of our heart. If you will show up, we would, we would simply be satisfied with being the washbowl for your feet. But we know that you have so much more intended for your people than just that. So come, Lord Jesus, have your way. Build us up this morning that we may be more like Jesus. And God, we will be careful to get out the way and give you all of the glory at the end of every day. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said, amen. But if all prophesy but if all prophesy sorry i got a little hot had to my jacket off uh man uh, is anybody else just feeling the lord in the place he's here and and we're gonna take full advantage of his presence this morning that all prophesy so here's the deal not often do we get to flawlessly kind of transition off the back of, of last week's message and last week's scripture? But man, 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 when I was praying with the Lord this week and it was like, what are we going to talk about, God? He was like, I've already put it in scripture. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, read the next chapter. And I'm like, okay. And then the next thing he says after last week was earnestly desire prophecy. You mean like above love? Yeah. You mean like above healing? Yeah. You mean like above like generosity and like other things? Yeah. Why? Read the chapter, Matt. And we're going to explore that today because here's the deal. Right now, we live in a time and a place. We can look at the world, and we've talked about this for the last number of weeks. We can look at the world, and we can see. We can see, we can see, we can see. The world is in desperate need of the Jesus people again. But the Jesus people, we are in desperate need of a fresh infilling and dwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need a refurbish. We need a refresh. We need a refining. We need a rebuilding. Amen? We need revival in the church today. Amen? Revival in the church means conviction in the streets. We need revival. We need revival, a return to the spirit, and we need reformation, a return to the word, or else this world will continue to travel down the same path it's going, hell in a handbasket. Amen? And I'm, and I'm going to be honest. I'm not okay with that. And I can't allow us as a church to be okay with that. And I don't mean church as an organization and a brand and a cool logo. I mean church as in an organism. I don't give a rip about branding, and I don't give a rip about marketing, and I don't give a rip about an organization. I care about an organism called the Bride of Christ in Grand Rapids. And we will not allow, we will not sit back, and we will not sit by, and we will not do anything and watch as Grand Rapids sink holes itself to hell. Amen? Not on our watch. Not in our day. Not while we're still here. And so, friends, one of the things that I am seeing right now we talked about it last week, man. I got with the Lord. We had a crazy, we had a crazy last couple weeks in church, amen? amen? Whose faith has been reignited? Mine has been. Who's just had the Holy Spirit come and sit on them? And it's just like, you and me, we got things to do. Like, man, this is the remix to ignition. Come on, somebody. This is it. We are popping the clutch on our faith, and we are going fast with the Lord, amen? And here's the deal. 
man, the Lord told me, he said, we're, we're, we're over preaching to where people are. We need to start preaching what we want to see. We're over preaching where people are and we need to start preaching what we want to see. He gave me the specific word. He said, Matt, preaching to where people are, it may help them, quote unquote, get over it, but it will never help them grow through it. We got to give them benchmarks. We got to give them a place to get to. We got to say, this is where we're going. We've got to have vision. Where there is no vision, what? People perish. We have got to go forward with the Lord. And one of the things I'm seeing right now is there is a mass deficit in the prophetic ministry and prophecy in the bride of Christ. Do you know where there is not mass deficit of prophecy and the prophetic? In the world, in culture. It's insane to me that the bride of Christ has remained so silent in the last number of years while the world and culture has raised up their own false prophets. It's true. You want to read the Old Testament and talk about prophets of Baal? We got those going on in droves right now. The world has raised up prophets to declare and decree to say, this is where we need to go and this is how we need to get there. And guess what? As the world turns, the world burns because those prophets are louder than ours. Because those prophets are speaking something louder than ours. Because those prophets are actually willing to risk humiliation and shame because they live there anyways to get their message, to get their culture, to get their way of life out. Yeah. Are we? Are we? Because here's the deal, man. I'm seeing the world right now and I'm seeing, literally, I am seeing other secular prophets being raised up in our time. I see the Joe Rogans I see the Jordan Petersons. I see a lot of J's, but not a lot of Jesus people prophesying into the direction of our world. In fact, I see even like a lot of conservative prophets popping up, but they're still secular. They might share the same quote unquote values, but they don't share in the same victories, amen? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? It is time for the bride of Christ to get loud about prophecy, to get loud about the prophetic, to get loud about what God wants to do in the earth again. You see, I think one of the main issues that we've come up, come up behind and what we've come up against is that we have seen the world continue to go and go and sink and fall and just go into deeper sin and crazier things and we have just stood back and we have watched and we've remained silent when when prophetic words are what will set the captives free we sought tolerance instead of prophecy we thought we can just let people do them and drip you know, love and drip some kindness and just kind of stay out of the way enough to not offend, but in the way enough to kind of love as they brush by us. But, but we haven't spoken the word of God to them, over them, for them. Right now, we exist in a world that is completely, completely because the church has kept her mouth shut 
to the prophetic. It's what we live in. I wonder why that is. I, I think it's because for the last 30 years, there used to be a time, there used to be. It was, it was the, 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 the 80s and the 70s and like all of this, like this was normal for church. Prophecy was normal. We had prophets on staff. Like you would know that you would go to church and there would be somebody there to prophesy over you, to give you a word of knowledge, a word of healing, a word of encouragement. Something was going on. This was normal. But suddenly we went, because I can't explain it all, I'm simply not going to preach it all. And honest to God, I feel like in the last 30 years, we just made a shift where we're going, you know what? I'm going to preach to your anxiety and not preach to your anointing. And that shift, that small shift of preaching to where you're at instead of where you should be, what's available, where you could be, that small shift has left you ill-informed and therefore unequipped for the mission at hand ill-equipped and uninformed for the mission at hand. All because, you know what? We just, we just got to get people in the building. We got to keep the church alive again. No, no, no. The, the church is Jesus' bride, not yours. Jesus is responsible for keeping his bride alive, not Pastor Matt. I'm preaching to myself right now. It's Jesus' responsibility to keep these lights on, not Pastor Matt. Pastor Matt's responsibility is to feed Jesus' sheep. I'm, I'm called to feed the bride, not keep the bride alive. He's going to do that. He's the watchman. He's the watchtower. He's our refuge. He's where we go. But man, we, we have just stayed silent because, I, I honestly, I think it's because we... We seriously, there's things in God and prophecy is one of them where we just have to say, you know what? Yes, Lord, I will follow. Prophecy is one of those places where we just relent and we say, yes, Lord, I will follow. Yes, Lord, I will follow. I can't explain it all. Let me take the responsibility off of you. You don't have to explain it all. There are mysteries in God that are intended for us just to simply seek him more, to simply go after him more, to have more questions, to ask him why, to get down in the nitty gritty of our lives and our faith and the complexities called the human existence and seek him. Mystery is intentional. He's given us enough of his word and he's given us his presence where two or more are gathered. And he gave us his Holy Spirit. And he said, from this starting point and from this place, pursue me. Pursue me. But we thought, you know, it's weird. It's weird. Like, what if they don't, like, I don't even understand. Like, I feel like God gave me this word, but like, don't eat the banana when you get home. What? What does that even mean? Why? You know, but this is how we play it because we feel like we can't explain it all. Therefore, we have faith for nothing. Friends, what if I told you today we're called to not explain it all, but have faith for it? We're not called to explain it all. We're called to have faith for it. 
I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Seriously, let's go into the deep waters today because here's how it goes. We are in the middle of worship. We're in the middle of services. And how this is supposed to go is you got the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit. You need me. I need you. We need each other. And God wants to build and co-labor with you and me. And he wants to give you a word for me and me a word for them. And this is how it's supposed to go. And it's for the what? The consolation, the building up of, the rebuking, the encouraging, like this is what prophecy is for. How am I going to get comfort, aka consolation, if I'm not being told by the comforter what I need to hear? Because often, God wants to do it through you. God wants to do it through me. Why? Because we're a body. We are one. We are a bride. And right now, we're a very quiet bride. And I wonder today, I wonder, just go with me for a second, this might offend you. I wonder, would this church be better if you were faithful to the prophetic word that God dropped in your spirit? I wonder, would the lives of those around you, your friends, your family, your coworkers, would they be better for the word of God placed on the inside of you, if you were more concerned, you were more concerned with their health and well-being than your own self-preservation. I feel like the fear of man has kept the prophet's mouths shut. The fear of man have kept the prophet's mouths shut. But it's not just kept us shut, it's, it's, it's kept us in disobedience and speechless towards the world and for our Lord. It has kept us disobedient and silent, speechless. We're called to be obedient and to go into all the world converting, discipling, declaring wherever you go kingdom of God is at hand. That's the role of a Christian that we all prophesy. Friends, listen to me. If the Apostle Paul, hear me, the Apostle Paul, who used to kill Christians, the Apostle Paul, that guy that we just read about in Corinthians, used to kill Christians. Hear me today. The Apostle Paul, who killed so many Christians that when he died, he was greeted by them in heaven and they were cheering his arrival. That man He says we need to earnestly desire prophecy. That man, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That man was imprisoned, shipwrecked, imprisoned, bitten by a snake, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, imprisoned by islanders, imprisoned again, beaten, flogged, beaten, flogged, beaten, flogged, and eventually martyred for his faith, the same Paul. He's the one saying prophecy That is the highest order for the church. If the church will keep her mouth shut, the world has no hope. He He wrote in Colossians that the church is the hope of the world. You're the hope of the world. Jesus in you, in us, is the hope of 
the world. But we have kept our mouths shut. I wonder today, I wonder today, I wonder if you truly began to understand the fact that from the beginning of Genesis until now and well after us, the whole entire way through, I wonder if you began to get a revelation of, you know what, Jesus doesn't exist. (laughs) Jesus doesn't exist for me, I exist for Jesus. And Jesus wants to co-labor with me. From Genesis onward, it has been, come and do with me. Come and do this with me. Here, I give you dominion. Go and name animals. Go, Adam, Eve, go do your thing. Come and do this thing with me. Come and do this thing with me. From the beginning, it's always been, come and do this with me. We have a role in this. We have a part to play in this. We have, we have a bigger responsibility here than I think we ever even imagined. And a large part of our responsibility is to prophesy. Some of you might be asking, well, Matt, define prophecy for me. Friends, prophecy. Prophecy is when you get that word from God about your future, their future, and it's wrapped in freedom and promise. It's dressed in freedom and promise. You see, here's the deal. We keep our mouths shut so often. We're disobedient so often simply because we don't understand the word, the phrase, or the sentence the Lord dropped in our heart. But just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that you don't have a responsibility to deliver it. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that you don't have a responsibility to speak it. Because guess what? Prophecy isn't always intended for the, uh, for the prophet to understand. It's intended for the person to receive it, to get it. So God might give you a word, just practical advice here. God might give you a word that means literally nothing to you, but everything to them. Could mean nothing to you, but everything to them. And, and we allow confusion on our end to stop up and block off and, and, and keep from flowing the promises of God into others' lives. I wonder today, friends, I wonder what would happen if all prophesied. If all prophesied, if we decided today, collectively together, we are not going to pursue anything else but Jesus, his presence, making Christ known through prophetic words. See, here's the deal about prophecy. Prophecy bleeds into every other spiritual gift. We talked about this. Prophecy bleeds into every other spiritual gift. God gives you a word of prophecy, and guess what? Somebody gets healed. God gives you a word of prophecy, and guess what? Somebody gets set free from sexual sin. God gives you a word of prophecy, and suddenly their heart is softened, and forgiveness is able to flow, and restoration in marriages, and in families, and in friends. Reconciliation is birthed in a generation. You don't have to understand to be faithful. You just have to be faithful. I don't have to understand. I just have to be faithful. Man, when the Lord was like, we're going to talk about prophecy, I'm like, why? He's like, because I'm not seeing it. It's crazy because we love to sing songs and 
we love to proclaim, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We're like, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome there. You're welcome everywhere. But so often where Holy Spirit isn't welcomed, right here. Holy Spirit, come have your way here and there and in their lives and in their marriage and everywhere, but here. God says you have the weapon of our warfare. The weapon of our warfare, friends. It is not found in Washington. It is not found in an army base. The most powerful thing on this planet is not your sex drive. It is not your body for mobility. It is not your intellect. The most powerful weapon of warfare on this planet is in your mouth. Problem is... Who does your tongue submit to? Life and death, power of the tongues, those who eat it will reap of its fruit. That was written long before Jesus. That was written long before the Holy Spirit came. In Ezekiel, we also see, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh that men and women will prophesy. Like this is a thing that God has always been about. He has never stopped wanting to prophesy. He has never stopped wanting to speak to the world. He's never stopped wanting to have a say in the conversation that's happening in the world. He's never stopped. We have. Who does your tongue submit to? Who is Lord of your tongue? Are you Lord of your tongue or is God Lord of your tongue? Are politicians Lord of your tongue or is God Lord of your tongue? Is the culture of today Lord of your tongue or is God Lord of your tongue? Who is Lord of that muscle in your mouth that James, the brother of Jesus, says if it goes unbridled, it will burn the world down? Who is Lord of your tongue? Who is Lord of your tongue? Who is Lord of your tongue? Who decides what you say? Who decides where you go? Who decides? You see, friends, I love this part in the Apostle Paul. And if we could throw up that quick picture real quick back to last week about the Corinthian altar. See, this is a place that's still there today. That's what it looks like. That's a recent photo of it. We talked about it last week. And if you weren't here, go back and hit the message. But basically what that is, is scanning the room for children. Uh, Basically what that is, is a place where men and women prostitutes would gather daily by the hundreds, have sex acts on this thing that used to be a glorious temple, and they would do it in worship towards a false, fake, faux god named Aphrodite. And then on special holidays, they would have thousands of men and women prostitutes gather in a mass orgy of worship on those very stairs and those very altar points right there that are still there today. This is world history. Matt, this sounds insane. It was, but not so different than the world we live in today. And what they would do is then they would entice other men and women of Corinth because it was a massive trade place. Lots of different people from lots of different places lived there. Lots of different people from lots of different places worked there, came there, visited there, did trade there. And how they would fund 
such a beautiful, big, amazing structure of how it used to look in its heyday is by enticing you to come and join and pay to join in. And that is the people that Paul rescued, that the Christians rescued, that the church was built on. They were saved from sexual acts of worship and they were saved for spiritual acts of worship. Amen. They were saved from sexual acts of worship, but they were saved for spiritual acts of worship. Matt, why is this important? Because the game of the devil hasn't changed. His playbook is still the same. Why is it important? Because the world screams, sex sells. Matt, why is that important? Because they will build upon a spirit of sex and we, the church, God, he will build upon the spirit of God. They build upon sex. We build upon the spirit. We're different. We're different. We don't speak the same language. We don't speak the same tongue. What do we have in common? Nothing. Aside the fact that we were once broken, desolate people still in deep need of Jesus, just as they are. And they will remain desolate, broken people in desperate need of Jesus unless the church prophesies to whom they could be. You see, Paul, he goes as far as to say, he's like, you need to earnestly desire this. You need to earnestly desire this. Listen, what was happening in this moment is the church in Corinth, they were stoked on tongues, which I get. Paul isn't against tongues. Paul loves tongues. Paul loves tongues so much that he goes, listen, I love tongues. I speak in tongues way more than all y'all. I speak in tongues way more than you, okay? I love it. I do tongues every moment of every day. I'm super spiritual. Problem is, you're in a trade city and why you love tongues is because suddenly you have all these different melting pots, multicultural, all these different influences and finally you're able to understand each other really well by the grace of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people in this time in this church were growing in literally being able to in a spiritual gifting way speak natural tongues to each other, different languages that they didn't, weren't birthed with, weren't come up in, weren't taught. By the grace of God, they were able then to communicate in that way. Amazing, right? Awesome. So of course it would spread like wildfire. And then, if you've ever met me, you're like, I love tongues. And guess what? Matt loves tongues. And we love doing that at Boys Crew, at Bay Crew, and at church, and every freaking where. It's great. Problem is, problem is, like Paul points out so brilliantly, we're speaking 10,000 words in a celestial language. Celestial simply meaning heavenly language between God and us. The devil can't understand it. The demons can't take it from you. That's the best part about tongues. Just so you know, you should be speaking in tongues. If you're not, we're going to pray about it at the end of service. Don't you worry about it. We ain't going to leave you behind. Okay? We're going to pull the ripcord on the Holy Spirit and we're going to see tongues break out and it's going to be awesome and I'm here for it. Caveat being... Paul goes, no, listen, I would rather speak five words of prophecy in a service, in a church setting than 10,000 words in tongues because simply tongues will build up a man, prophecy will build up the church. Tongues may build you up. It may be exciting. It may be awesome. It is cool. It is wild. It doesn't make sense. You are receiving something amazing from heaven. And yes, you should try and grow in interpretation and we should pray for other people to grow in the gift of interpretation. We should have interpreters here and we should do those things. Yes, however... 
There's an order, there's a process, there is a way with God in which he works and he operates and we are all better for it. And he is saying to us in scripture, I love this, I love this, getting lost in the sauce rules. But while you're lost in the sauce, the lost are still lost. (laughs) While you're lost in the spirit, the lost are still lost. And what are we here for? Are we here to simply just have good times with Jesus by ourselves? Are we here to grow the party? Like, what are we doing? Is, is church a private party or are we throwing a raging kegger for the city? Yeah. Root beer kegger, Christians. <laughs> Ice cream kegger, Christians. But you know what I'm saying? What are we doing? If we're lost in the sauce, the lost are still lost. And Paul is saying, listen, tongues are amazing. I love it. I speak in it more than the rest of you. I love tongues. Keep growing, keep doing that. I love that you guys are doing that, but more than that. He's not shutting it down. You see, this is so weird. When I, when I was first in Grand Haven at a great church called Life Church, I would come up against these people and they, would, they were a, a very eclectic group of people who were both like super spiritual, crazy spiritual, wild spiritual, off the deep end spiritual. And then there were other people who were just like stagnant and the most like, I don't even know if you're a Christian, but you come here. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you seem like you hate the entire Bible. Um, and, and so it's a whole thing. And you were just always getting combated from different thoughts and views and opinions as a pastor. And I'm going, what is happening here? And it gave me a bit of whiplash because what you would hear from people who were either hurt by the church or whatever, they were like, well, there needs to be order. There needs to be order, man. There needs to be an order in service. Well, Paul's literally calling the church to order in, in 1 Corinthians 14. That's exactly what this is. Order is tongues. Order is prophecy. Order is gifts of the Spirit. Nah, there needs to be, you know, and, and, and they tried to pull apart the spiritual things to make it a practical thing. And friends, simply, it's not. Jesus, while there's a lot of practicality there, yes, there is far more prophetic. We are a prophetic people, not a practical people. We're a prophetic people, not a practical people. Why? Because the prophetic always trumps practical. The prophetic can achieve what the practical cannot. The prophetic can unlock what the practical cannot. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. There is a place with God of which you and I are called to exist in and worship from. It's called the prophetic place. That is the only place that is useful for tearing down spiritual strongholds. Man, there are words from heaven that would release people from years-long addictions to cigarettes, to smoking, to to drugs, to alcohol, to all these things that keep them held up in bondage. How many people come here and worship at this altar and ask God to take something for them when God's saying, I want to take it from you, but it's firmly resting on their tongue and they're just not saying it. You got a word in your mouth that somebody needs to be liberated. And here's the deal. Listen, I came up. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost in the Word of Faith movement, okay? Brother Hagen, Brother Hankin, Brother everybody, yeah. Like, that's how we all talked. That's how we all came up underneath. It was amazing. I was too anointed to be disappointed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. How you doing, brother? That was me. Still am. (laughs) Not much has changed. But that's how I came up, right? And there was this phrase around word of faith churches and it was like, brother, you just need to name it and claim it. 
You just need to name it and you need to claim it. You need to conceive and believe and then achieve. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Hallelujah. Give me $500 and you will get healed. Like, I have fun. I have fun. And that's, and that's, that's crazy. And why that's crazy and why that's wild and why I think, honestly, the church took a hard pivot for 30 years and became really seeker friendly instead of prophetically friendly. We have been greater friends of the world than we have friends of God. In the last 30 years, we have made it our mission to be friends of the world before being friends of God. And friends, it's time for a switch. It's time for a remix. It's time for us to flip the script and how things have been. And we need to begin to pursue to be friends of God first and foremost before we are friends with the world. I preach to anybody this morning. And I think the reason we made that switch is because name it and claim it Christianity became widespread. But the problem with name it and claim it Christianity is that name it and claim it Christianity went from name it and claim it to the boy who cried wolf or aka the preacher who cried prophecy. Do we need to sit with that one for a second? I saw some eyebrows go, whoa. But we went from the boy who cried wolf to the preacher who cried prophecy. And what happens is, name it and claim it, it sounds good. It rhymes good. And you know what? Matt likes something that sounds good and rhymes good. Okay, I'm a preacher. I'm a king of alliteration. I love it. Problem is, rhyming doesn't equal prophecy. Alliteration doesn't equal prophetic. Acronyms don't mean Holy Spirit. We've made a great business model out of it. We've grown a lot of beautiful churches. We've built a lot of cool stuff. We've made some really cool things. We've got a whole entire worship music genre made and given to us at the Grammys. But man, how many, how many prophetic words are going out at the Grammys? How many prophetic words are being given out at the Dove Awards? For being honest. Yeah, I came with the shots today because I want to see us be a prophetic people. See, name it and claim it, friends. Whatever you're claiming, it only has the power by the name of which you're given it from. Let me rewind that. I did not say that very well at all. <laughs> the name under which you claim determines the power your claim has. The name under which you claim determines the power your claim has. Problem with name it and claim it Christianity is we started claiming and naming a whole lot of things that sounded like my name and a lot like Matt's desires. The problem with name it and claim it Christianity is that we started naming a whole lot of things in our own name and a whole lot of desires of which we have ourselves. Friends, can I just tell you, can I tell you today, God is underneath no responsibility to fulfill your desires. God's only responsibility is to fulfill his desires. What if I told you and set you free today that God's will for your life is not to fulfill your desires in the earth, but to fulfill his desires in the earth through you? What if I told you God today isn't underneath any obligation to fulfill your dreams? He's under every obligation to fulfill his own. What if I told you today the chief concern of sending Jesus to the cross was not so that God could fulfill your dreams, but so that you could fulfill God's dreams? What if I told you God is not actually as interested in upholding your promise as he is upholding his promise? 
That is the chief end of what God wants to do. God actually has dreams for this earth. Hear me, God dreams. What? God dreams. God has desires. God has desires, God has dreams. And he came, sent Jesus, reconciled this whole bad Jackson back unto himself as building himself up a beautiful, immaculate, blameless, pure and spotless, draped in white bride who would fulfill his dreams in the earth. He didn't kill Jesus to fulfill your dreams. He killed Jesus to kill your dreams so that he could resurrect Jesus and resurrect his dreams in the earth, the prophetic people. That was heavy, but that deserves a praise. Your claim only has as much authority as the name of which it is ordered under. Man, I remember being a young cat first hearing about this stuff, and I'm like, I'm going to name it and claim it. Lord, I want a supermodel bride. Yes, I do. Can I tell you, there are things in name it and claim it Christianity that you will try to name and claim in your own image and your own desires that would actually go against what God hoped to achieve with Jesus on the cross. Give me that supermodel from that magazine if you're... Okay, I'm in my 30s. You might not know what a magazine in here is if you're younger than me. But there was magazines and there used to be women in them. And I used to say, Lord, would you bring me a bride like this? And if God answered every desire and every name I had, I would not have the bride that I have today. In fact, I would have a supermodel bride. I would have one who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, doesn't have Jesus, is actually a Wiccan, likes to rub crystals together and chakras, and uh, would be firmly on the way to sending her and I both to hell. The problem with name it and claim it Christianity is we started naming and claiming a lot of things that weren't found in the heart of God, but in the heart of man. The name under which you claim determines the power that it has. Prophecy is powerful when prophecy comes from the heart of God. Prophecy is powerless when prophecy comes from the heart of man. Man, I'm grateful that God has not answered some prayers in my life. I, I would rather decree and declare. Matt, what does that mean? Well, a decree is when you go to God on a legal basis. Well, Matt, explain that for me. Unwrap that for me for a second. Well, Paul's saying it's better that we have five words of prophecy Better than 10,000 words and tongues. What does that mean? Well, I'd rather decree and declare than name it and claim it. I would rather say, God, this is what you said you would do. I'm gonna decree your word. Right here, you said, I am pointing out, you said, by your stripes, I am healed. I'm gonna prophesy from Isaiah 53, 5. By his stripes, you are healed, not by your works, but by his not by your bloodshed, but by his. By his stripes, you are healed. Here's my decree. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to begin to stand on it. I'm going to begin to declare. Why? Because I've got life and death between my cheeks and between my 36 teeth. I'm missing a couple. I 
got life and death. So I'm gonna stand on legal. I can hold God to his word. He says that. He says that. Hold me to my word. Hold me to my word. Matt, how do you know that? Because that's all of John 15. Jesus is literally saying, we've been referencing John a whole lot. Jesus literally says, he goes, yo, if my word remains in you and you remain in me, you can literally ask for anything in my name and my father will be happy to give it to you. Pause, what does that mean? That means literally, if God's word's in you and you're in God, okay, in Jesus' name, name it, claim it, under the authority of Jesus' name, God will then give it to you. The name under which you file your claim determines whether you receive it or not. But guess what? You can only file claims with God that are found in the heart and mind spirit of God. God will only give you what he has. God will only give you what he has for you. God will only give you what he has said in his word. Cross the board. This is for everybody. And then there are particulars that he has set apart in greater measure for you and for me as individual sons and daughters It's called our inheritance. It's amazing. But we live uninformed and therefore we live ill-equipped and we're wondering why we are getting spiritually just ran over and it's manifesting in our lives. Paul said, you're going, you got a great hunger for manifestation of the spirit. Desire prophecy, desire prophecy. Do this thing where you're asking God, give me a word for somebody so we can tear down strongholds and we can break some chains off some people today. Because this name and claim it thing, if God gave it to you, it would put you in greater bondage than you were in before. Man, I know because we go to boys crew and we got some single fellas and I love the single fellas, but friends, can I just tell you single fellas, the Lord can do more for your soul, your calling, your mission in life, his purpose for your life with a two that has the Holy Spirit than a 10 that doesn't. But nobody wants to prophesy those things. We all want the 10. We all want the 10. We all want the best things. You know what's funny? We got a lot of people who go, man, I just believe God's gonna give me a Lamborghini. God, give me a, I'm going to name and claim it. God, give me a Lamborghini so I can go and witness to the rich young rulers in Grand Rapids. I seem to remember in scripture, Jesus witnessing to a rich young ruler and Jesus himself wasn't enough for the rich young ruler to give up his things and follow him. You think you and a Lambo's enough? No, but this is how we have treated prophecy for so long and it's because we treated prophecy in this manner that we decided to hit the switch up and we became seekers of men instead of seekers of God, seekers of practicality instead of seekers of the prophetic. But friends, there is a place that the church, the bride of Christ, she is, she is designed to only work in and operate in the realm of the prophetic. There are words, there are sentences, there are phrases that the world is in desperate need of because prophecy leads the world to repentance and prophecy refines the church. Hear me. Prophecy calls the world into repentance. And it 
calls the church to refinement. And those are on our tongues. Those are in our mouths. Those are in us. But friends, we have for so long become so shallow in our relationships with God, in our relationships with one another, in our relationship with church, in our relationship with scripture, in our relationships with worshiping. We've become such shallow creatures that we don't even know the written word of God well enough to recognize the spoken word of God when he gives it to us. Friends, we should be as Christians, we should be fluent in speaking God. This is where we're going. This is where we're growing to. This is where we're going for. I told you it was Ribeye Sunday. Has this been Ribeye Sunday? Did I undersell it? This is Ribeye Sunday. We should be more fluent in the dreams of God than we are our own dreams. We should be more fluent hear me today, in prophecy than we are English. We should be more fluent in our assignment as Christians than we are our dreams and what we're trying to attempt to accumulate for ourselves here on earth. We should be more fluent in the things of God than we are the things of Matt. We should be more fluent in the desires of God than we are the desires of ourselves. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? There is a place that you and I, we have been welcomed into, but we have been powerless because we've not taken God up on it. And we've allowed bad preaching. <laughs> Name it, claim it. Sounded good. It was bad. Did a detrimental thing to you. We've allowed bad preaching and inexplainable things to stunt us. And therefore, stunted what the Holy Spirit is actually able to do in and through our lives. Listen to me. Do you want to know how important you are to God? Can I talk to you about how important you are real quick? Is that cool? Can we pause about how great and powerful God is and talk about why he wants to save you and live with you and use you? Can we do that real quick? Is that okay? Listen, you are so important to God that he would allow you, he would allow you the great honor of stewarding his word to set the captives free. And you were also so important to him that he would allow you to not only stunt yourself, stunt your neighbor, and stunt the work of his Holy Spirit by allowing your disobedience to his word. That's how much he wants to use you. Hear me today. There are words that he has given you for your coworkers that man, God's just going, if you would just give them this word, if you would just call a work meeting, if you would just speak up in this way, this word, if you would just take your shot. The culture at work, it may not lead to revival right away, but there would be some breakthrough happening. There would be some hearts realigning, some, some forgiveness that would come, some getting on the same page that would happen. Friends, but he allows us to co-labor with him or not co-labor with him. And that responsibility should be heavy. Can I tell you this this morning? Miracles, miracles. Let me say it, miracles. Miracles are found when you are more. 
miracles break out when you are more afraid of God than you are of man. The breeding ground for miracles is when you are a greater respecter of God than you are a respecter of one another. When you respect God and the word and who he is to you and what he has for you over who the person next to you is and what they bring to your life, that is a breeding ground for miracles. You have allowed the fear and rejection of man to push you into a place of self-preservation and in self-preservation, you have gone without Holy Spirit revelation. And so has your neighbor, and so has your wives, and so has your husbands, and so have your friends, and so have your family members. Would you guys stand? We're about to sing a song called Lover of Your Presence. And if I could get Zach and a, any other core members that aren't leading worship but are available, to come up front and if you want to run back and grab the oil. Oh, let's go. All right. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. Here you go. But if all prophesy, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Prophecy discloses what's in your heart and opens up and makes available what's in God's heart. Prophecy reveals what's on the inside of you, but also reveals what's on the inside of God. Prophecy it opens up all the things that are wrong with us, but it enables us a full release of all the things that God says are right about him. This, this is the highest order. Prophecy is the highest order. Seek this thing because it sets the captives free. It sets you free and it sets the things of God free to readily flow in and through your lives. I am tired of Christians following after signs and miracles when Jesus is quite clear, signs and miracles should follow Christians. We will go anywhere and pursue mountains and movements of anointing. When God's saying, just start prophesying where you are and you will see mountains and movements of anointing. Signs and wonders should follow the believer. Believers should follow signs and wonders. We follow Christ and miracles follow us. But they will never break out and break loose if we don't first open our mouths. And I just feel today, Adrian's about to share a word that was given. This is gonna be awesome. This is actually a first for us. I love this. This is gonna be amazing. But this is a great example. Listen, often we'll sing the song, Spirit Break Out. Who loves that song? Spirit Break Out. But you know what Holy Spirit's saying? You first. I'll break out when you step up. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, you go first. You open the door. God, once you just move, yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for you to actually do the same thing. We are a prophetic 
people. And miracles will come when you regard God higher, greater, more powerful than any man or woman you come across. Why? Because you will be more, you will be more faithful to what he's asking you to do than the fear of the person and rejection of the person if you actually did it. Amen. If you want to bow your eyes or bow your head and close your eyes, um, a prophetic word was given at the very beginning of service before we even knew what Matt's message was about. So just visualize what this word is right now. What she saw was a vessel full of water, clear water on the top and a slow progression into sand and on the very bottom sludge. At the very, very bottom, it was black. A measuring cup came and was scooping the top and replacing it with another cup of water, but there was no change. This constant scooping of one cup or two cups out and replacing it was only within the clear water. The bottom was undisturbed. We tend to allow the Holy Spirit on the surface, taking the most clear part of us, and we're terrified to allow him deeper into the muck and the disgusting parts of our lives the deep hurts that never see the light of day, as we slowly trust and that cup can go deeper, taking out the sludge scoop by scoop and replacing it with clean, clear water, but only if we allow him to go deeper, if we surrender the parts of us that are left at the bottom and undisturbed, the Holy Spirit yearns to take every drop of ourselves and replace it with a fresh outpouring. Not adding to, but completely emptying to replace. To replace our hurts, mistrust, our damage. To replace it with the beautiful, refreshing and clean water. Allow the Holy Spirit to go deeper into the dark, the pain. Embrace the surrender. Trust him in the terror of being emptied. To be willing to let die that old nature completely. To let it be killed. Trust him in the terror of being emptied. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you as we go into this next worship song, God, that if we need prayer, we're gonna come up for prayer or go back for prayer. We're gonna find someone to pray with us and over us. We're gonna ask for a greater gifting of your prophecy, for the courage and the strength to not fear man, God, but to fear you in awe and what you're capable of in us and through us, Jesus. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come right now moving, motivating, waking up your people in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. So if you'd like to come forward, I'd love for Pastor Charlie and Zach and if Angie wants to come up too, and we'd just love to pray over you that you would grow in the gifting of prophecy, that we'd have the opportunity to anoint you and 
and just believe God for a greater measure of his voice to be evident in your life, a greater clarity to be ignited. We've been doing this last few weeks and we're not gonna stop. We're gonna sing this song and we're gonna say, open the floodgates of heaven as we pray over you. So don't wait for me to shut up, just start coming forward. If you want prayer, if you wanna grow, if you wanna enter into prophecy and words of knowledge, if you want the wild mysteries, crazy parts of our faith to be evident and flowing in your life, like that prophetic word just spoke over us that so clearly, clearly is evidence of this moment. Just come forward. Come now. Come let us reason together with Christ the great things that he has available for his children. Right now, we're just singing, open the floodgates of heaven. And don't make it, don't make it clean. Don't wait for one person to be open. Just come up. We are not to be a dignified, put together people. There could be a holy puddle. There could be a Holy Spirit just huddle happening right here. Just come forward if that's you. Come get in on the laying of hands, on the impartation of prophecy. Come be here in this moment and let's ask the Lord, Lord, move in me. Speak through me. Ignite my tongue. Light me on fire. May my tongue possess the hearts of men and set their eyes upon you yet again, Lord. Right now, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, have your way in this place. May we be a prophetic people. May we be a prophetic people. May we be a prophetic people. If you don't even understand what I'm saying right now, if you haven't understood the last 50 minutes, come forward. Come forward. We want to pray over you. We want to give you an opportunity to understand, to have the scales from your eyes fall off, to have your minds open and expanded, to have your faith grow to this place of going, God, I don't get it, but I want it. God, I don't understand it, but I see it. If you have this for me, I will pursue, pursue, pursue it at all costs. No longer will we be a people who need prophetic promptings. We will be people who are pursuing the prophetic. We're not going to wait for a nudge from God. We're going to pursue the knowledge of God. Yes, Lord Jesus, would you come? Would you move, Holy Spirit? Ignite us. Burn upon us. Burn within us, God. Right now, we want to be a people who have the keys to life and death in our tongue. And we want to use it faithfully and according to your word, God. Would you use our tongues to set people on fire for your glory? Would you use our tongues to bring whole entire dreams of, of cities, dreams of workplaces, dreams of families back to you, God? Would you come, Lord Jesus? We are lovers of your presence. We are lovers of your presence, God. We are lovers of your presence, God. Right now, this is all we desire. This is all we want. Right now, God, we are lovers of your presence, Father. We say, come. Let the prophecy come. Let the reins of the prophetic come. Trip on us. Draw within us. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Ignite us, Lord. Father, what are your dreams for Grand Rapids? If you'll tell us, we'll prophesy them. 
God, what are your dreams for our marriages? If you tell us, we'll prophesy it. God, what is your dream for my life? If you tell me, I'll prophesy it. God, what is your dream for this church? If you tell me, I'll prophesy it. God, what is your dream for my children? If you tell me, I'll prophesy it. God, what is your dream for my divorce? What does reconciliation look like in your dream? I will prophesy it. God, what does your dream look like for downtown? I'll prophesy it. God, what does your dream look like for the homeless community? God, I'll prophesy it. God, what is your dream? We'll prophesy it, God. We'll prophesy it, God. Tell us your dream. Tell us your dream. And we'll prophesy it. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. If you gotta go, go. If you gotta grab your kids, grab your kids. But this is a moment of impartation. This is a moment of equipping. This is a moment of welcoming the Holy Spirit in and saying, come rule and reign in my life. Come give me a greater measure of yourself. If you gotta go, you gotta go. But if you wanna leave here with more than you can,